Jesus is known not just for the statements he made, but for the questions he asked. Questions that challenge the religious and those who feel far from God. Questions that reveal his purpose and his plan. Questions that cut to the heart of our beliefs, our motives, and our identity. I wonder, how will you answer the questions Jesus asked? Well, hello, friends. If I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ the King, and I am so thrilled to be with you this morning. Whether you're joining us online or in person, man, we are excited for what God is going to do in the ways that he's going to move. And I actually want to start by reading God's word to you this morning. I thought it was only fitting coming out of Thanksgiving to remind us of the passion and fervor that we're called to worship our God. And I know that your bodies are still probably digesting a lot of pumpkin pie that you ate this weekend, but that's okay. I don't need you to be excited yet. I just need you to be excited when we actually get into the word. And so you can actually talk back to me. And if you think that this is good stuff, you can say amen and you can nod along and you can hoop and holler. But it says in Psalm 100, it says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Here it is. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout every generation. And all God's people said... Amen. I wonder, is anybody in here thankful for what God's done in your life this year? Is anyone in here thankful that God is the God who turns graves into gardens? And finally, is anyone thankful in here that Thanksgiving is finally over so that we can move on to the main course of the holiday season, which of course is Christmas, and all God's people agreed and said, amen and amen. You know, I don't know about you, but our family's actually ready to turn the page. It's not that we don't like Thanksgiving. We do. It's just that this year, Thanksgiving wasn't particularly easy for us. It started last week when my beloved car, Bruce, broke down on the side of the road in a plume of smoke. The next day, our daughter, Brooklyn, had to get her tonsils and adenoids out, which, for the record, is not fun. We thought that we were through the worst part of the recovery. Then a couple days later, her sister, Addison, woke up in the middle of the night with the flu. The next day, her mom got the flu. The next day, Brooklyn got the flu, so... She had the privilege of actually recovering from throat surgery while carrying a bucket around because she couldn't keep anything down. Next day, Grandma got the flu. Next day, Auntie and Grandpa got the flu. So for those of you keeping score, that's six sick people in my family that God graciously gifted me the opportunity to serve during this season <laughs> while my girl Brooklyn was recovering from tonsillitis. And for four straight nights, I was up in the middle of the night changing sheets and washing carpets. And somewhere in there, the mechanic called and told me that Bruce needed a new engine and a radiator, which is effectively a death sentence. All in all, it was not fun. I would not recommend it. It felt like my life was a country song. And it was one of the only weeks that I was just glad I didn't have a dog because I don't think it would have made it through the week. <laughs> you know, it's like happy Thanksgiving from our family to yours. Like it just felt kind of ridiculous the way everything piled up. And I share that knowing full well that there's people in this room and there's people online who had worse weeks than I did. I'm not trying to compare I'm just trying to say that this was one of those weeks that our family would just as soon forget. And yet God says, 
enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And it really got me thinking about the essence of thanksgiving. Really got me thinking about gratitude. How many of you guys know that gratitude isn't just something that we do when life is good? It's actually something that we need more than ever when life gets hard. It's the way that God designed us. He said, be thankful. Actually notice the things that you have, even though your eyes are typically drawn to the things that you don't have. How many of you know that thankfulness isn't just something we're called to do because God loves to be thanked? It's something that God calls us to do because he knows that giving thanks is the shortest distance between wherever it is that we are and the life of joy and happiness and peace that we crave. That's the shortest distance. See what God has already put in your pocket. Don't look at the neighbor. Don't look at social media. Look at what is it, Lord, that I have to be thankful for today. Look at the breath in your lungs. Look at the family that's around you. Look at the people who are still with you, not the people who've left you. There's a lot to be thankful for, friends. Friends, there is power in thankfulness. And even though it's easiest to give thanks when God says yes, here's the question that I have for you this morning. Are you able to say thanks when God says no? Are you able to be thankful even when God says, wait? In today's story, there's a man who's been waiting for 38 years in Scripture. It says in John 5, starting in chapter 1, or starting in verse 1, it says, Sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Verse 5 says, One of them who had been an invalid for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Scripture says that Jesus thought to himself, Wow, I guess it's too late for him. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, I misread that. It says... When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been there for such a long time, he asked him, and here's our question, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well, church? This is the question, this is the red letter question that Jesus asked and is asking us today. Do you want to get well? But before we dive into it, I just want to take a moment and just pray for us. Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are the God who's not just full of answers, but who's full of questions. God, you are constantly extending this question to us. Do you want to be well? And God, we pray that we would be a thankful people this morning. God, we pray that we would see that which you've given us. God, we pray that you would see, God, your love and your grace that's been poured out over our lives. Jesus, you have been so good to us. Help us to see it. Help us to taste it. Help us to hear it, God. Help us to notice it, God, in the relationships that we've been gifted with. And God, even right now in this moment, would we be thankful for the breath in our lungs and the opportunity to come together and sing songs and enter your courts with thanksgiving and praise. God, we are thankful for this moment right here. Oh, we love you so much. God, this is all for you. We don't want to leave unchanged. We want you to do your work in us. So give us a boldness to actually take what we hear and put it into action. 
We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen Amen and amen. So Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? It seems like such a simple question. What do we know about this story? We know that this man had been sitting next to a pool for 38 years. 38 years. Let me just give you some context for that number. 38 years. So 38 years ago, gas was a buck 10 per gallon. 38 years ago, the average cost of a new home was 86,730 bucks. Raise your hand if you're like, Lord Jesus, do it again. 38 years ago, the top song was When Doves Cry by Prince. And I hope that means something to you because it means nothing to me. 38 years ago, the, the top movie in the world was Beverly Hills Cop. The Macintosh computer was just being introduced. LeBron James was just being born in my personal favorite 38 years ago, calling it nutritious and wholesome. President Ronald Reagan designated July as National Ice Cream Month, which I observe to this day. 38 years, this man was waiting next to this pool. And what we know about this pool is that it was called Bethsaida, which in Aramaic meant the place of mercy. And it was surrounded by five colonnades. And in scripture, five is the number of grace. So whether or not this man realized it or not, he was in the place of mercy surrounded by grace. And the commentaries tell us about this pool. Apparently, there were hundreds of people literally waiting next to this pool for their miracle. And the way that the pool worked was that periodically the waters would be stirred by the Spirit of the Lord when it was on the water. And when the waters would stir, the first person who was able to get into the pool would be healed. That's the way that it worked. The first person in would get healed. So as you can imagine, when the waters would stir, there was this mad dash of broken, desperate people trying to seize the moment. And just by nature of how it worked, this pool actually favored the strong and the quick and the well-connected in the community. And what we know about this man in the story is that he is none of those things. He is not strong, he is not fast, and he is not connected. Scripture says he is old, he's an invalid, which means he's been paralyzed, and he had no one to bring him to the water. But Jesus... Two great words, but Jesus sees him lying there and asks him a simple question. Do you want to get well? And I'm excited to to dive into this question and see what God has for us today. When I think of this story, I just get this picture of Jesus approaching this man. But the man's just so focused on the pool that he can't even see Jesus. He's just so focused on the thing that he thinks is going to bring his healing. And without even realizing it, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is standing right in front of them. But the man just keeps staring into the water, waiting for it to stir so that he can do the exact same thing that he's been doing for the last 38 years with hopes that maybe this time it'll be different. Anyone in here know the definition of insanity? It's doing the exact same thing over and 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 hoping that maybe you'll get a different result. This is the picture that we get of his life, waiting for this water to stir so that he can race a bunch of people half of his age who actually have working legs down to the water, hoping that this time he might get lucky. 
He's just waiting for something to change and he spends his life chasing after something that he'll never get in hopes that it'll give him something that he always wanted. And that might sound crazy to you, but I wanna offer that this is exactly what we do. This is a picture not just of his life, this is a picture of our lives. We chase status, and we chase money, and we chase relationships, and we chase success, and we chase the approval of people, hoping that somehow, some way, if we just get it, maybe we'll finally have the wholeness and the happiness that we crave. Jim Carrey, the, the, the reverend, um, has this incredible quote. He says, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything that they ever dreamed of so that they could see that it's not the answer. I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so that they could see firsthand that that is not the answer. Here's the question, my friends. How long do you have to go down that road before you understand that what's at the end is not what you truly desire? That what's at the end of that road is not going to fulfill you in the ways that you want to be fulfilled. And yet here this man sits waiting for the water to move again so that he can just get another rep. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? And in verse 7, we see the man's response. He says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And we learn a lot about this guy's mindset by this response. I love this response because it reminds me of my kids. The other day I heard Brooklyn started to cry in the other room and she came out to me and she said, Addison hit me with a baseball bat. And she was holding her arms like this. She said, my arm's broken. I said, can you show it to me? She goes like this. I said, sweetheart, that's not broken. But I did my due diligence. I went into the other room, and sure enough, there was our youngest child standing with a pink baseball bat with the biggest smile on her face that you've ever seen in your life. And I did so, guy, so good, guys, I didn't even laugh or anything. I just looked her straight in the eye, and I said, Addison, did you hit your sister with a baseball bat? And here's what she said to me. She looked me straight in the face, and she said, Sister took my baby. To which I said, oh, sweetheart, you must have misheard me. I didn't ask what your sister did. I asked if you hit her with a bat. You know, isn't it interesting that oftentimes when we get asked a question, we don't actually give a response, we give a reason. We talk about our circumstance and we talk about why things went down the way that they went down. Jesus asked the man, do you want to be well? But instead of answering the question, he gives Jesus some commentary on why things are the way that they are in his life, not knowing that Jesus knows everything and more about his situation. First, he says, I have no one to help me into the pool. So the first excuse that we get is that nobody's helping me. Nobody's meeting my needs. Nobody sees me or cares enough about me to help me get where I'm trying to go. Then he says, and while I try to get in, some, someone else goes down ahead of me. So his second excuse is this. Other people are actually taking what should be mine. When I have found a friend who would, is actually willing to bring me down to the water, somebody else is faster and they get in in front of me. They're cutting me off. You see, in his mind, it isn't his fault. It's, it's their fault. 
If there's something about the situation that needs to be changed, it's the way that the people around him are acting. He says, nobody's helping me and everyone's cutting me off. This is a them problem, not a me problem. And Lord knows that I can relate to this because man, it's easy to point out all the things around us that are broken, isn't it? It's easy to say, God, I need you to change my situation. I need you to change my spouse. I need you to change my finances. I need you to change my job. I need you to change all of the people around me because it's them who are the problem. At the end of the day, if we're pointing out here, we actually never have the opportunity to, to point right here and look inward. If we're blaming them, then we don't actually have the time or space to actually think about the work that we need to do. But Jesus isn't talking about them. He says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And really what the man is saying is, of course I want to be well. If I didn't want to be well, do you think I would have spent the last 38 years of my life next to a healing pool? It's like, come on, dude, read the room, take a look around. If I didn't want to be healed, do you think that I'd be here? He's like, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate your curiosity, sir. Really, I do. But if you want to help, let me tell you what you can do. You can stick around until the next times that the waters stir so that you can actually bring me down and put me into the pool because that's what I need. I need somebody to actually bring me to the water. I need somebody who's actually going to bring me to the place that I want to go. And I think this is so interesting because back a chapter earlier in John chapter 4, Jesus is asking a Samaritan woman for a drink. So we're in John chapter 5, John chapter 4 is the woman by the well and they get to talking and in the quintessential moment of the story, Jesus flips the script on this woman and he tells her that everyone who drinks of the water or of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And what Jesus is saying to this woman is, I am the well that you seek. He's saying, I am the water that you're looking for. And maybe you can see where I'm going with this, but fast forward a chapter to John chapter five. And now Jesus is talking to this man and he's watching the water and he's waiting for the water to move. And he's telling Jesus, of course, I want to be well. I just have no way to get to the water. And here's what I want you to see. What Jesus is really trying to say to this man is I know you can't get to the water. That's why the water has come to you. I know you can't get to the pool, but I've got news for you, my friend. I am the pool. If you're looking for healing, I am the healer. If you're looking for peace, I am peace. If you're looking for joy, I am joy. I am the thing that you're looking for. So you can keep staring into this pool, hoping that something changes in your life, or you can see who's walked right up in front of you today, who has a hand extended like this and is saying, do you want to get well? Friends, I need you to know that Jesus isn't just there for a talk. He is here to show the man that there is no sickness that he can't cure. There is no story he can't redeem. There is no relationship he can't restore. There is no body that he can't heal. He is saying, I am the healer. I am the hope. I am the water that you've been looking for. And friends, this is the essence of the good news. This is the picture that we get in this story. Here's the picture. We were spiritually paralyzed. We couldn't move. We were broken beyond repair. We were flawed and there was no way for us to get to the water. 
But your story and my story and our collective story isn't that we somehow found a way to get to the water. Our story is that the living water found a way to get to us. The good news isn't that we found somebody to bring us to the pool. The good news is that Jesus is the pool and in the pool, in him, we can be made well. Is anyone thankful that the pool came to you? Is anyone thankful that there was a way when there was no way? That Jesus did what we could never do so that we could experience a relationship that we don't deserve, but that is ours for the taking. He says, do you want to be well? Stop looking to the pool and see the person in front of you who is saying, do you want to be well? Your healing will be found in me. Friends, I don't know what pool you've been staring at, hoping that things will change in your life, but I'm here today to tell you that if you're looking for healing, Jesus is the healer. And if you're looking for peace, Jesus is your peace. And in him there is hope and there is life and there is freedom and there is joy. And if you want, you can keep doing all the same things that you've been doing. You can keep looking at that pool, saying, if I could just get there, if somebody would just help me out and allow me to, to get into that water, maybe, maybe then things would be different. Or you can see that the living water has made its way to you. And this morning, he's saying, do you want to be well? After the man gets done telling Jesus all the reasons why things are the way that, he, that they are in his life, Jesus speaks to him, and this is what he says. In verse 8, he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Verse 9 says, at once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat and walked. You know, I've always appreciated Jesus' directness. This isn't my strong suit, but I love this in Jesus. I love just watching the way that he works. This guy does not beat around the bush. He heals the man. Then immediately he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. All throughout the gospels, this is consistent. These words, get up. He'll heal somebody. He says, get up. He says, get up, walk. And I've always thought that was curious because to me it seemed a little rude. You know, to me, it's like, come on, Jesus, give this guy a second. He's been sitting on his mat for 38 years. Can't you give him a minute to process what happened? You know, like, can't we just give him a second? Can't he have a moment to just kind of gather himself before we tell him exactly what to do? But Jesus isn't as polite as me. He doesn't say, excuse me, sir, now that your legs have been healed by your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at your own convenience, when you feel like it, when it's comfortable, you can now rise to your feet and you can move around and do whatever you want. It's at your discretion. Go ahead and do it. It feels good to you. That's not what Jesus does here. Thankfully, I am not the one in the story. He actually just says, get up and walk. There's an urgency to it. There's a power and a purpose behind his words. And it kind of reminds me of Hebrews 12, where it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He says, even if you've still got sin that's just kind of hanging to you, I'm not calling you to sit down. I'm calling you to throw it off and keep running. 
Even if you've got shame that's just kind of entangled you, I'm not telling you to sit back down on your mat. I'm saying, will you fix your focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith? And will you do everything in your power to move forward? If you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving. Those are the words of Martin Luther King Jr., do whatever it takes, even if you're just hobbled, even if you're limping, just fix your focus and keep moving. Get up, pick up your mat, leave behind the old and actually start pursuing something new. I know the mat's comfortable. I know it's what you're familiar with. But I didn't ask if you wanted to be well so that you could stay where you're at. I healed you so that you could stand up and walk. Jesus says immediately, get up. Get up. Some of us have been healed, but we just haven't actually got up and started to move. This morning, Jesus is telling some of you, get up. You're healed, but you're still sitting on your mat. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured, and he picks up his mat and walks. And I want you to see something about this healing, because it's not just the man's legs that get healed this day. It's his cynicism. It's his doubt. It's his hopelessness. It's his whole mentality. His whole paradigm, his whole perspective is shifted and healed. And he's actually elevated into a faith where he can see what the true answer is. You know, this is such good news for us because it means that Jesus isn't just interested in healing the parts of our life that we talk to him about. What he'll do is if you've got something, if you've got a leg that needs to be healed and you're bringing that request before the Lord, what the Lord does is he's like, yeah, we can start there, but I'm just going to use that as a conversation starter to actually start a conversation about the holistic healing that I want to do in your life. Because you might be worried about your leg, but I'm worried about your whole body and your whole soul. I want to fix your insecurities. I want to actually put you on a firm foundation of Christ and a joy that's not just situational. I actually want to take your relationships and restore them and redeem them. I want to take every part of you and put it back together so that you can be healed and you can experience the life I created you for. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't just give us what we ask for? He gives us so much more than that because he is the God of exceedingly and abundantly more. And right here, right now, where you sit, he is extending a hand and he's saying, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? I'm going to close with this. Our sweet girl, Addie, it's hard to call her that now that I think about it because she was the one with the baseball bat just a couple minutes ago but but she is sweet you know we've all got our rough spots it is what it is but her vocabulary right now is just like exploding every day she's learning new words just last week she learned the word pushover I taught her how to say daddy's a pushover because she knows that whenever she wants something all she has to do is run up to me and give me a hug and say I love you dada and whatever she wants it's hers I don't even care I'm not trying to fix it that's just the way it is right now but one of my favorite things that she says right now is something that she says when she gets hurt. Oftentimes she'll fall down and she'll hit her head and she'll start crying so hard that her little lip starts to quiver and I'll, I'll ask her, Addie, are you okay? And she'll look right at me and she will say, no, I am not okay. Say, I am not okay. But then she'll sit there for a moment and she'll gather herself. And then she says the most profound thing. She says, but I'll be better soon. 
She says, it's okay, Dad. I'll be better soon. Tears still in her face. I am not okay, but I'll be better soon. And it just shocks me every time that I hear it because here's this two-year-old who's able to express, even in the midst of their pain, even while she is still hurting, her unwavering belief that things are going to get better soon. She has this beautiful hope that doesn't seem to be affected by pain, and I think that there's something that we can learn from her. When I listen to her, it makes me think, you know, there's a lot of us who are really good at saying, I am not okay. I am stuck. I did it again. I let myself down. I let my spouse down. I let my friends down. I let my community down. You know, we are great critics. A lot of us are really great at identifying what's wrong with our lives and all the ways that we've continued to fall short. That is not the issue. We don't lack an ability to see what's broken in us. The issue is that a lot of us somewhere along the way have forgotten to cling to the hope that things could be better soon, that things could be different. Somewhere along the way, we forgot that in the middle of our pain, we have a Jesus who is not afraid of our brokenness. In the middle of our pain, we have a Jesus who is stronger than our pain. And in the middle of whatever we're going through, we have a Jesus who is bigger than the bondage that we face. And he is asking us again today, do you want to be well? Because you can continue to do what you've been doing, that's fine. You can keep trying to get to the place that you're never going to get. That even if you did, it's not going to give you the wholeness that you desire. Or you could see that the Prince of Peace is standing in front of you today, saying, bring it to me. I know you're trying to get to the pool, but I am the pool. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, God, we are just in awe of the story, God, that is continuing to unfold. God, that these stories that we read about aren't just about the people that we read about, they're about us. God, that we are this man. God, we look in the same places over and over to try and fill something in our hearts and in our souls that only you can fill. And Jesus, we thank you today that you didn't allow us to just continue. God, that you approached us, you chose us, you, gosh, you, you diverted from your, your path and actually came and actually talked to us and you extended a hand and said, do you want to be well? God, that that's the question that's being extended right now. Do you want to be well? Do you want to put your trust in me? Do you believe that things could be different? God, we know that we are not okay, but we know, God, that we could be better soon. God, if we put our trust and our hope in you. We love you so much, Lord. God, this is all for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So. This morning we got to talk about this question, do you want to be well? And I thought it was only appropriate if we responded by actually declaring together that it is well with my soul. Because regardless of what we see, feel, or experience, we know that the promise of Jesus is true. And we know that his promises never fail, amen? amen. So what we're gonna do, I'm gonna ask you to stand and we're gonna respond and we're gonna enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise this morning. Let's worship. <laughs>